Welcome to the I Love Music Podcast. My name is Jen Fedor. I started the I Love Music Podcast to inspire people who love music, encourage people who work within the industry, and to hear each person's unique story. For this episode, I got to interview Stephen Mertens and Laura Benack. These two talented artists have formed the Project Bass Race. We discuss their musical journey from New York City to Los Angeles. Stephen has toured with the Moldy Peaches and is a director and animator. He has worked on various music videos for Regina Spector, Louis the Child, and Kay Flay. Laura has some amazing harmonies, musical stylings, and creative direction. And with their powers combined, they create some fantastic music and amazing visual content. To check out their work, visit Instagram.com slash Race of Bass. And to see some of the music videos Stevens worked on, visit StevenMertens.com. All right, let's get into their interview. Well, guys, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having us. Thank you. <laughs> um, so how did you both decide to start Bass Race? The band, I feel like it formed probably close to being the same day that we started dating um, seven years ago. Okay. Um, it was sort of one of the things we bonded over was music. And we just, we were kind of joking about it at first. Like, oh, let's form a band. So this was in New York. Um, okay. So we met through a mutual friend, one of my college girlfriends. And we were friends for a while first. And Steve at that time was a session bass player. He was on tour a lot. I was a musician kind of on the side. Just grew up playing piano and singing. And so we knew that was something we had in common. Um, and I was just learning to play the bass and kind of was asking Steve to... Yeah, your dad gave you a bass for Christmas that year, right? Yeah, just gotten one as nice. a gift. Nice, so that's we great. we kind of had this joke that we should start a band that had two bass players and call it Bass Race, like dueling basses. Yeah. And um, that particular idea never came to fruition, but we did decide <laughs> let's start to work on music together. You were always kind of making songs uh, in your free time and mm -hmm. started looping me in, playing me stuff, and... And it kind of happened, yeah, like really early on in our relationship. Did you did you play any other instruments uh, before the bass? Or yeah, so I grew up playing piano um, and singing. So both my parents are musicians. Okay, and so that was always something that was a part of my life. But I had never really decided to pursue it, you know, professionally or more than just a hobby. And Steve was really like an inspiration for me to see someone that was an all out and out artist that was, you know, doing it for real. And I think you kind of brought me out of my shell and allowed me to see that this was something that I could put more energy into and feel like, okay, I have some talent. I could do this. Yeah. Well, one thing that people, everybody that I would meet that knew Laura were always like, before we started dating, where I was like, oh, wow, Laura's like this amazing singer. And you know, honestly, my first, um, like, instinct when everybody's, anybody says that, I'm always a little skeptical. I don't know. I just, I guess I'm a pest. I'm just like, uh, they're probably okay. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then I heard her sing, and I was like, oh, well, she's actually pretty good. And then I heard her harmonize with herself. And it's truly um, one of, I, she might be one of the best harmonists I've ever met. She can truly just harmonize any line that she hears, whether it be jazz or classical. Yeah. Or, 
Um, just I love some of, yeah, I love some of the harmonies like in the videos um, that you guys have like posted. Yeah, I think it's a strength of hers. Um, yeah. But then, so our first few songs were pretty like tongue in cheek. There was a song called Clowns Everywhere and that's another song called Hovercraft and all the all of them were kind of a little bit jokey. Um, but whenever I would come up with a line or she would have come up with a line and just be like, hey, can you harmonize this? It would just be like the first take would be a good one. So that was um, part of the first. So like back then, like who were you working with or like what type of sessions or what bands were you? Yeah. Um, so when we met, I was playing in quite a few bands doing session works around New York City. I had a band with two other guys or three other guys at that time um, called Space Camp. Okay. And we would back up a, a whole bunch of people. We backed up Dev Hines, who was, his band was Lightspeed Champion at the time. Now he's Blood Orange. And we played the first couple of Blood Orange shows. That's great. And we were also the backup band for this guy named Adam Green, who we toured with a lot. And also we played with Kate Nash on a couple shows. And we backed up Jeffrey Lewis. And uh, I don't know. It was like always yeah. we, uh, community. a community. Yeah. And there are probably ones that I'm forgetting now, too. But yeah, I probably played in a hundred different bands in New York just as a session bass. But here and there, just different people would hire me. How did you get into playing music? Well, um, I started playing music when I was 15. Okay. Um, I uh, just. I started listening to progressive rock. I had friends who were musicians who, who had grown up playing music. And I don't know, I just heard hard rock music, progressive rock, like Rush and Yes and Zeppelin and Hendrix and stuff. And immediately it was like, I want to play the bass. I don't know like what it was particularly, but yeah. that, that was the instrument that called to me. And uh, right away started playing in bands and started playing out at clubs and opening up for other bands. And then I went to music school and then moved to the city and started playing in bands there and That's started great. touring and, and catering and house yeah. between i would do and... anything i mean it was hard it really yeah. hard to be a musician a professional musician in new york i mean when it was going great it was going extremely great and i toured with one band that had a gold record in germany and we did a lot of touring all over europe but then i'd come home and i'd be like broke for six broke, months yeah. and i'd have to Cater and waiter yeah. and paint houses and I would do things that were more fun like DJing and designing album covers and designing tattoos and stuff too. But it was definitely, um, yeah, it's just I had my MO in New York that I discovered worked well. I never got rich while I was there, but I was able to keep my head above water mostly. Um, was anytime anybody asked me to do anything, if I wasn't booked that day, just say yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. What propelled you both to move to LA? Well, I had moved to New York after school. Um, I'm from Pittsburgh, and I had been living there for about five years and had loved it every day of that five years. And then at some point, very quickly, just turned a corner and started feeling really confined and like I was never going to be able to get ahead and that it was just so expensive and so hard to survive there really and we had been looking to move in together and had been on an apartment search that was lasting three months we saw so yeah. many sad places all over Brooklyn and terrible places. um kind of on a whim one night we 
we both had talked about how we both liked Los Angeles, and we put in our budget on Craigslist that we'd been looking at every day for New York into L.A., and started seeing second bedrooms and porches <laughs> yeah. and yards. Yeah, yeah. uh-huh. And, and beautiful views and butterflies and hummingbirds. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I was working at a consulting firm at the time and decided to just look online and see if they had any L.A. openings. And my exact job for the first time, that role was um, being hired in New York, or in L.A., rather. So that was kind of a sign to me that, Okay, this yeah. is I, you the know. same day basically that we that we looked at that. Yeah, the timing was crazy. So, <laughs> yeah, I applied, I got that job and Steve um you kind of mentioned that you did tattoos and stuff. He's also a visual artist. And so you've been doing music videos as a director and animator and so LA for him kind of also was a obvious choice of somewhere that would be a good place to relocate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love I love a lot of the music videos that you've created and worked on and the visuals for Bass Race is great. Um where does that like where does your animation and your visual art like what inspires you or what is feel like the my first talent that I explored was visual art. My dad is a visual artist and his mom is a visual artist and kind of runs in the family. Um so I wanted to be that as a kid. I wanted to be a comic book artist. That was the first thing that I, I hooked on. So I learned to, my dad taught me how to draw and stuff early. And I was always the kid in class that was like, oh, if you want something to, to draw something, you know, somebody to draw something. Like yeah. Steve. So that's always been something that I just sort of had as that. I'm going to do this as my self-expression. I'm going to try to do music professionally. And I'm going to always have art just to like, do whatever I want, be free and just express and just be creative and not have to worry about what other people think. And slowly through that MO that I mentioned before of like, just take any job that comes your way, yeah. it turned into gradually organically being an animator for bands to do music videos. And I, um, it's been a pretty steady stream of videos since I started uh, six years ago. How did you how did you learn how to an animate? So that was self-taught. Um, I went on YouTube and basically watched people. You know, I started out doing just stop motion stuff, okay. which is totally in camera, no like um, computer animation, except for you know your your camera is hooked up to a computer. That's it, and you just hit capture yeah. for each frame mm -hmm. but all of the actual animating was in the real world just paper puppets on different planes of glass that the camera's pointing down through to capture whatever scene you set yeah. with real lighting and real you know real backgrounds all just drawn stuff and that was sort of the most intuitive way and quick way to get into being able to make money making you know trying to make money in between tours and stuff <laughs> yeah. was like yeah, just make videos for people. Um, well, and you started with your, for doing a video for your own band. Yeah, so I didn't actually direct that video. I made um, like elements, and I just the the um, it was just like little background elements and and okay. elements that he could put behind and to the side of like the band performing, just like weird little psychedelic yeah. stop motion like crap, basically. Okay. Yeah. And uh, his name is Phil D Fiore. He did a it was a song called Miko DTB for uh, my old band Space Camp. And 
he liked what I did for the background of that video. And so then he was like, hey, I'm doing this video for um, this guy, Pete Shapiro, who he's reopening the Capitol Theater in Port Chester. And do you want to do like a this? He's, he's hired me to do this promo. Yeah. I'd like to do an animation. He's like, you want to do it? And I was just like, I, that was my MO. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I have to say yes. I have to say yes. Even though it's I have true. no idea how yeah. to do this. Yeah. And it was fun. It was, I mean, it was, if you, if I look back at that animation, it's, it's really shaky and it has some character to it. It looks pretty cool, but like, it's not pro like animator. But since then, because I've been learning on the job, right. every job I learn a little bit, I'm watching YouTube tutorials in between being like, how do they do that? And now I, I'm pretty good at After Effects and I can still do the stop motion stuff and been getting into live action stuff. But yeah, it's just sort of in a gradual process of learning and working on the job. That's so great. How did yeah. you d decide like for the visuals for Base Race? Like how, yeah. how did that come together? So that's a great question. Um, because so Stephen and I have worked on Base Race like as a casual hobby like we said, kind of the past six years. And we've had stuff on SoundCloud that we've posted just kind of as a repository if people ask that we send them to. Yeah, and every time we we used to, whenever we would finish a song, we'd just throw it up on SoundCloud, like, like hit our friends and family on Facebook, <laughs> like, and literally you get like 100 hits. Yeah. Yeah, so, and we never had really great ambition to, you know, get it out there too seriously but in the past year I guess or so we've kind of taken a step back and thought how do we introduce ourselves to people that's fun and accessible and isn't gonna take a ton of money and time to do a whole album and then you spend the time making an album and then you know how do you get it out to people yeah and there's a bunch of musicians and artists that I follow on Instagram um, that are super inspiring and it just seems like a platform that was really just accessible. You could make quick content. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was appealing to us because it seemed like, okay, we can put in some effort and then just post it on Instagram and see, you know, share it with friends. And but be thoughtful about it and, and do something that maybe would try to set us apart a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, I like the layout of like the Instagram with like how there's like different like places to play each of the songs and right so that was the brainchild of Lara Banak um she said she was in the shower one time and she's like babe like I got an idea and I was like what and I came in and she was like how about if we have the whole Instagram feed just look like it's on a wall and then we'll have different photographs in frames cool frames on this cool wallpaper yeah and um and then in one of the frames can be our little video that we made for uh, Night Sweat. And I was like, oh, that's cool, babe. That's really good. And she's like, you can do that. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. So it's yeah. her idea and my execution. Yeah, he executes it. I just like having this, you know, really talented artist that I can explain some crazy <laughs> idea and know that that's he'll perfect. be able to bring it to life. <laughs> so Although, good. I mean, uh, I, I'd like to give her credit, though. It's true that I'll do the technical work, but then I'll also show it to her and she'll be like, eh, like, <laughs> that's not quite it. Like, that looks, that doesn't look very good. And then so she'll be like, you can move that around a little bit. And so it definitely still is a collaborative effort. She kind of yeah. works as like a creative director to my 
I'm the, I'm the creative uh, visualizer, but she, she's the idea. But I come up with ideas too. My, my <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, the satellite was my idea. Yeah, it was I like her idea. <laughs> and the transition of the wallpaper fading up into the, the starry sky was uh, my idea too. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. She's got some good ideas. So what's the songwriting process like for you both? For me, because we have different processes, uh, I usually start just at the piano, uh, coming up with a few chord changes that I like. You know, usually when I'm home alone is when I'll feel comfortable or inspired enough to just kind of start playing around. Yeah. Um, and a couple years ago, Steve bought a uh, vintage Wurlitzer that we have in the living oh, room. Oh, cool. And it's a really lovely sound. So that is usually the, the tool I'll use to start coming up with some chords. And then maybe I'll, if I have enough time, if you're out for, you know, the whole night, then maybe I'll start writing some lyrics. Yeah. And... Um, usually show it to Steve and then you'll start helping come up with lyrics and, you know, come up with chords for the bridge. And from there, it's kind of both of us together going back and forth. One thing I'd like to add to that, too, is since we have been writing songs for like six years, we have like honed our process. Yeah. Um, because it, it's gone through different chapters. Um, the first chapter when we discovered that we could write music together was like very inspiring and very fun. And we were just, and it was pretty goofy actually too. And we would we would write a kind of a bunch of like kooky songs. Yeah, um, yeah. And then we, you know, after maybe two years of that, we became a little more serious about it, but then letting go of that like kind of quirky, goofy thing. Mm -hmm. It was a little painful for me, I think, maybe, just to be like, oh, so we're like serious. Now we got to take this seriously. <laughs> um, and we would, we were still kind of in each other's face in the songwriting process. Like in, in each other's room, I would engineer her singing, you know, and trying to produce her right there when she's singing. And it became tense, I think. And, and it, we would fight often mm. when we would uh, write songs and stuff. And it was, it was, it was, it was awful for a second. Yeah. Um, but then I think. Um, I was like, babe, you got to learn how to engineer yourself singing. Here's how you use the lo logic. And that was actually a huge uh, growth move for us because as soon as we could just each be in our own spaces and still collaborate and talk about it, but not yeah. be in each other's face when that very like vulnerable, creative moment was happening, um, that actually was a really really good moment for our creative process I think it's really we do need to be able to completely shut the door and like be creative and really get into the zone yeah. with the music itself and I feel like we're not very good at that being right in each other's faces in that moment it can create a lot of stress especially being in a relationship together you know, yeah we're like our guard is all the way down and you know it can hurt when that other person is like oh I'm not sure if I like that direction you know but then again, I think it's a very important um, part of the creative process when you are collaborating to let go of your ego and to when somebody is saying, oh, you know, uh, that thing that you did, uh, it's not my favorite. You can be like, all right, well, cool. We'll find something else that is. You yeah. Know? And just be like, like, we can throw that thing or save it for something else or throw it in the trash and just keep moving. Yeah. Um, I find that the creative process for me in collaboration it's it's uh, it's about just putting an incredible amount of output 
and just making a ton, a ton of stuff and keeping like, mm-hmm. okay, throwing it out, throwing it out, throw, and it, eventually something sticks. And it's a, it's a very slow process, but as long as you don't mind throwing away 90% or 75% or whatever percentage right. it is of that stuff that you make, yeah, it's a process that does work. And you can come up with some pretty cool shit that way, but it just takes a while. And so, yeah, now it's, I think we've recognized that the funnest and most satisfying way is to really just get into our own worlds and then bring it to the other person. And the one thing I think that we still do yeah. uh, write a lot together is lyrics. And we'll sit down because it's actually the hardest part for both of us. Okay. Uh, yeah. Is is writing lyrics is really difficult, and it's uh, sometimes the first core, first verse or chorus will come pretty quickly, but then you've got to flesh out the rest mm-hmm. of the song, and yeah. then. So the second verse is just like, oh Jesus, we gotta fit, we gotta fit lyrics <laughs> yeah. into that melody and over right? this beat, and yeah. we gotta make it happen again, and it's gotta be at least as good yeah. as the first, or at least pretty, you know, hopefully better, maybe almost as good. Yeah, I would say our songs, they sometimes can take six months to finish a song, and it's one yeah. week of really productive, we're excited, and it's happening five months of being frustrated and not being able to think about the song <laughs> yeah. and then two yeah, weeks of bad. finishing it. Yeah. Oh, that was a good song. We should do something with that. Yeah. There, there is a point in the middle where you're like, this song sucks. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then, and then, and then you, you let go and you're like, ah, fuck this song. It's over. And then, you listen back, you're like, ah, that song's pretty good. <laughs> it's you know? not you go bad back, after all. You're like, I kind of like that. I remember yeah. what I liked about when we started that song. <laughs> and then hopefully that's the, you know, the sprint to the finish line is yeah. at that moment. Where do you guys record? Do you have a home studio or? We do. We have a second bedroom that doubles as an art studio and a guest room whenever we have uh that we blow up the air mattress and that's great (laughs) that's good (laughs) yeah it's not the the best setup we have a friend that has a really nice studio that we worked on a couple of our songs yeah uh, palomino sound our friend jay soda and so we're looking forward to getting back, taking some of the stuff we've been working on at home. Hiring a session drummer, probably. Hiring yeah. a session drummer and finishing the stuff there. Because that really is inspiring to be in the nice warm space with all these yeah. amazing instruments and tape awesome. machine. So right now we're kind of getting things to a place at home where they're ready to be taken to the studio and kind of that last leg of the journey finished. Are you are you releasing? Are you guys going to release like an EP or what? What what? Yeah, do you have a plan. That's or? the plan. We were talking last night. So what's the date? When are we supposed to finish this thing by? But we've been working on it about a year. I would okay. say honestly. So we're getting closer. Yeah, we have about I think nine songs um, that are in various stages of being done. There's one that's done, one that is like so close to being done, yeah. and then another seven that are between 50% done and 20% done. Um, but yeah, there's all, they're all and, a, and a bunch of those songs, the pieces are already up on our Instagram, and we've already yeah. made videos. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I love <laughs> them. I love them. <laughs> the, the parts that are like, you know, the, of the song, like we have this song called Magical, that the chorus is just 
you're magical, you're magical over and over again. Uh Um, And we have the chorus up on Instagram with a whole video that we've made for the chorus of that song. And that's, um, we have verses written too, but the song is not done. Gotcha. Um, What keeps you going like between those like six months or five months or three months of like... We love making music and I feel like we're we're compulsively creative people. Yeah. So it's just, it's always going to be happening. Yeah. I mean, ever since I can remember... I've been playing music for a long time now, and ever since I've started it, I've just compulsively written music. That's great. And, um, <laughs> and made art just like every day. Every totally. Day, every day. I, can't, yeah. I can't help myself. Um, so, you know, having Laura be also this creative dynamo that um, is always there. She, Laura's creative output manifests itself mainly in singing little ditties about every thing in our lives like yeah every day yeah like she literally will just start singing about ev- anything constantly right and you know half of the time those I'm like babe you want to break out your iPhone and like record that a voice memo with that that's pretty cool um, <laughs> that's awesome yeah and um yeah so that's happening it's hard I would say it definitely is hard to find the motivation sometimes when you've worked uh, a long day and you know we try to set goals lately our our new mission is every wednesday night to work only on music you know just start Don't watch very TV. small just yeah. have one night that we're going to do it cuz you know if you set the goal too large that every night we're going to do something right. we'll end up failing and becoming discouraged and right. then nothing will happen for weeks right yeah so it's really hard to overcome resistance we both just read yeah. the war of art which was very inspiring so i think now we're feeling that uh that inspiration and we want to take yeah. action but yeah, it's it's never easy. Yeah. I mean, when I said that like I'm like creating all the time. I mean, I do, but to actually sit down and work on stuff that needs to get fleshed out, that's a whole other <laughs> yeah. wax. Like, you know, you it the funnest part is always that initial inspiration of, "Oh, I'm going to write a new song today and it's going to be great." <laughs> yeah. You know, rather yeah. than like going back yeah. and like being like yeah. that song magical needs a third verse and needs to we need to figure right. out how it ends. Yeah. You know, go back and be like, oh, geez, I guess we got to work on magical. Yeah. Um, I ask this to all my guests. Why do you guys love music? So many reasons. It's the universal language. So it definitely, I think, cuts down to the soul level. You can learn so much about someone from listening to their music, their culture. You know, you can really sense who they are just immediately in a three-minute song. And it can completely set the mood and the vibe for any situation, which is amazing. I think it really sucks you into a world that when it, when you, when it hits you really close and when you feel that rush of that like love for the sound of the music and you just feel absorbed in it. I remember listening to my mom's um, records on headphones when I was a kid, like LPs, like 45s. And... Um, they one of the records that I listened to was ABBA Gold, like their greatest yeah, hits. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and I just remember sitting with headphones on that, and it just being completely absorbed and and just it just loving that music. Yeah, it's hard to describe why you love music. It's like just oh, yeah. you do, you know. Yeah. And the other thing that comes back to me when you ask that question is um, in New York when I would be painting houses. 
the thing that would really keep me going and how I would, because I didn't really like painting houses. Right. But if I had like really some great rock and roll record, like Exile on Main Street playing right. in the background, I could just be singing along. If there was no one else around, I could just, you know, sing at the top of my lungs right. to the radio and just forget about painting. And it would just make me feel like, yeah. Yeah. The power of rock. (laughs) (laughs) Do you guys um, have any uh, tips for songwriters or artists out there? Yeah, I would say do what you think is cool. Don't worry about, I wouldn't say don't worry about your mark. Marketing is a terrible thing for creativity, I think. Um, Don't worry about who's going to listen to it. Just do it for you. And that sounds like a cliche a little bit probably, but... Uh, I think it's very true. I think, think about the kinds of music that you love. And I mean, maybe that is marketable. Maybe, maybe you love really popular music. For me, I love, you know, obscure, like African music from the seventies and Pakistan film music (laughs) from 1969, right? Yeah. Um, As well as ABBA. So there is some, there's some hits in there too. Elton John's Led Zeppelin. But um, yeah, I would say just, Go with, the, try to emulate at first those artists. Say like, that's the kind of music that I like or or just do what makes you feel cool. That's a little cliche. <laughs> it works. But no. It works. I <laughs> yeah. think it works. Um, I would say just make the time and there's going to be, I don't know, 80% of the time where it's going to be painful if you're getting started, getting over that hump of, I'm going to sit here and maybe no inspiration is going to come today. Yeah. But if you can get into the flow and get that habit going of I'm just going to make time to work on my art, then things will start firing. Um, yeah. You know, the muse will know where to find you. There's that um, Jerry Seinfeld quote. Uh, he said, don't break, the chain. don't break the chain. And I think it's a really good piece of advice. And what he meant by that, I think, is don't let one single day go by without uh, doing that thing that you love. Now, that might not be totally realistic for everybody, but I think if you go for that rule of don't break the chain, just work every day on it. It maybe it doesn't have to be, maybe it can be six hours one day, but maybe it can be 15 minutes another day, but don't break that chain. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I like. I, I think it's good advice. I think it. I think it's great advice. What's next? I mean, the EP is coming out. Anything? Yeah, I think the thing that's m- most directly next for Bass Race is we're gonna figure out another little clip of a song to make a video for great. on Instagram and have a. I love that. Uh, another mini video that's between thirty and seconds and a minute long, and we'll figure out a new little arrangement of tiles to put around it. Cool. Um, but yeah, uh, we once we release our EP, we want to hire a couple other musicians and play a show live. Uh, which we we've played maybe ten to twelve shows live in our existence as a duo. Okay. We, we've never yeah. gone up on stage um, with a, a drummer and some other folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the next step, really. Cool. Fast. I like that. That's great. Well, thank you both for being on the show today. Well, thank you, thank Jen. You so much. Yeah, this is great. This was really fun. Thank you for having us. Thanks again to Lauren Stephen for being on the show, and thanks to the Bang Ups for the theme music. This has been the I Love Music Podcast with Jen Fedor.